Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. And this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the normal everyday rhythms of life. And today we're going to be tackling another theology for everyone. I've got all three of my pastoral residents with me today. I've got Kevin Knorr. Hey, guys. got Alex Tate. What's going on, guys? And Bryce and Amex. How's it going? Bryson, they they can't hear I, they can't hear you so over your handlebar ma- mustache. Every other time you say Kevin, Bryce, and Alex. Yeah, I just like and to so mix when it you up. Said Alex, I was almost like, "How's it going?" Yeah, but yeah, the I just I just yeah I skipped over the the handlebar mustache. How could you miss it? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I know it's like sit it's like sitting on the microphone right now. <laughs> I, I did hear this past Sunday that. I may have a spiritual gift of growing mustaches. Really? From someone on your MC, actually. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, is it Jay? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I figures it would be Jay. All right, <clears throat> let's get to it. We're, today we're going to do a theology for everyone. We are in chapter 8 of Christ the Mediator, talking about Jesus Christ being our mediator, the one that stands between us and God. And we're going to be in, hopefully we can get through uh, Article 2 and 3. That's the goal. We will see. Article 2 talks about Jesus' human nature, and Article 3 talks, no, Article 2 talks about his divine nature, and Article 3 talks about his human nature. And um, this kind of stuff might not sound that important to us, but this was dividing the church, and there's been a lot of different uh, heresies, the Arian heresies that, um, that, you know, sparked controversy in the church where people were excommunicated and called heretics because of they couldn't get this stuff right. And it's not simple, okay? It's not simple. Um, so we'll do our best to, to work it through and then work through it and then try to, try to explain it. <clears throat> so let's start with chapter 8, article 2. The Son of God, the second person in the Trinity being very and eternal God of one substance and equal with the Father, did, when the fullness of time was come, take upon him man's nature with all the essential properties and common infirmities thereof, yet without sin, being conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost in the womb of the Virgin Mary of her substance, so that two whole, perfect, and distinct natures, the Godhead and the manhood, were inseparably joined together in one person without conversion, composition, or confusion. Which person is very God and very man? Yet one Christ, the only mediator between God and man. All right, now what we don't realize is all, a lot of that language in there, it is biblical, but a lot of it is not biblical, and it's in response to very specific heresies that were popping up in the church. I'm not going to go through all of those heresies. Um, I'd have to bust out my historical theology. All I remember is the Arian heresy and uh, the other two that are following right after that. Um, I can't remember. So I can't remember the, I, the details of so let's just work through it uh, piece by piece. <clears throat> right away, we're, t- we're a- answering the question like, who is Jesus? Boom, the Son of God. Hmm. But even that needs clarity. The Son of God, 
the second person in the Trinity, being very and eternal God. Okay. Right away, they're trying to, to um, deal with the problem if Jesus is God and the Father is God and the Spirit is God, aren't there three gods? And all in Scripture, unified says, God is one. Our God is one. Our God is one, right? That's what the Shema said in the Old Testament. And so what they're trying to do is say, so then what naturally happens in the Arian heresy and stuff is, okay, then Jesus isn't God. He's the Son of God, and he comes from God, but he's not God because there can't be two, there can't be more than one God, okay? That's what the Arian heresy tried to do. And they're saying, nope, that is wrong, that's heresy. The Son of God, the second person in the Trinity, so he is God, very and eternal God, of one substance and equal with the Father, okay? Um, that one substance, the word, I think it is in Latin, homeousis, homeousis is the word they came up with during this time, and, and that's the way they, got, they kind of talked about that the, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, are one homeousis, which is one essence, while still three persons. So they share the same essence, but they are distinct in their per personhood, okay? So of one substance and equal with the Father, so this is, he's, right now we're talking before the foundations of the world, the Trinity existed like this, okay? Three persons, one substance, one essence. When the fullness of time was come, he took upon him man's nature. We have a scripture for that? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Okay, so that right there, we're talking, and do we go on from there? Was that John 1, 1? Mm. Then you're supposed to have John 1, 14 as well? Mm. So that's in the beginning, we're seeing before the, you know, before we created anything, the word was with God, the word was God. Jesus is the word. And then uh, John 1, 14. We also have 1 John uh, 5.20. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory for the Son of God. Okay, boom. So we have the word existing with God before the foundations of the world, and then the word becomes flesh. Mm -hmm. So the fullness of time was come. The fullness of time. The Greek um, that talks about the fullness of time is I think it's pleromo, pleromo, pleromo. I'm trying to remember it, but I think it's pleromo. And it's like, it's not like a glass of water is full. It's like you put a glass of water under the faucet and the faucet is still running and it's running over. Mm. Like time was bursting forth, like Jesus Christ came like bursting out of the Father, like, like the hero at the nick of time. Mm. All of creation was groaning for him to come out. So some people might ask uh, the question is, so did Jesus fully feel pain then if 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 he's god bro you're getting way ahead oh, okay. man we can't jump ahead <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry that's number three that's number three article number three we can't get there so 
when the fullness of time was come, so then the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He took upon him man's nature. First uh, John five twenty. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Okay. Here's what's interesting. Jesus did not stop becoming God when he walked this earth. He did not set aside all of his divinity. He added to his divinity humanity, okay? So he's God plus man. He, didn't, he wasn't God and then minus God became man, okay? He's God plus man. What does that mean? Take upon him man's nature. He, he added humanity to his divinity. Listen, with all the essential properties and common infirmities thereof, so all, everything that, that makes us man, Jesus had, mm. minus one thing, and that's the sinful nature, okay? Common infirmities, what does that mean? Physical weakness, uh, potential for sickness, I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. Stub his toe, it still hurts. Mm. So pain, he still got it. it. He would go to bed tired at night. Mm. Jesus didn't like fake sleep. He's like Superman. Does Superman sleep? That's not Jesus. He took upon human nature. And so he took upon all the essential properties and common infirmities thereof, yet without sin. So would he have the same type of mind frame, or was he still thinking like God? He had both. And I'm going to get into that again. He had both. (laughs) He had both. Look, being conceived... By the power of the Holy Ghost. So the word became flesh through divine conception. The Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary, right? And that's how this this happened. This eternal God became man, okay? In the womb of the Virgin Mary, of her substance. Do we have a verse for that? Probably Luke or Galatians. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Boom. So he was born of a woman. So he's got the substance of Mary, but he also has the substance of God, right? Um, Real quick, we've uh, parsed out a little bit substance and essence, or you've mentioned both. Yes. Can you talk briefly about what that means? Um, what do you want to know? Because I feel like I already did. <laughs> I might, you might have just scratched the surface of my, the depth of my knowledge of the difference. So I'm just thinking a, a brief intentional definition, um, just for the regular. Oh, folks well, bro, I can't, I can't give you a definition off the top of my head because, um, I'm, I'm not that smart, but if I had to, let me think about it. If I had to, I might even have a book open here close to me that I could find something quick, but I think it would be, let me look here real, real quick, brother, if I can get one. I don't know if I can or not. I might, I might whiff. Um, yeah, that really means the same thing. So 
It says this, at the Council of Nicaea in AD 325, participants debated and then adopted the term homoousis, if I say that right, a Greek word meaning the same, su- oh, it's Greek, not Latin, meaning the same substance or essence to describe the fact that the persons of the Trinity are one God. So the classic formula for the Trinity is that God is one in essence, being, or substance, and three in persons. Okay. So what uh, Arius was trying to say, what the Arian co- controversy, was that they were, they were separate mm. in, in essence and separate in substance. Or if they, and, and uh, they're saying no, they're, they're not. So that's about all I got for that, buddy. Um, for me. If you need to go deeper, we'll have to pull out some of the bigger books on the shelf. <laughs> um, so he has the, the I'm going to say it like this, he has the substance of Mary, human nature, he has the substance of God, a divine nature. Mm. These are dwelling together in one person, Jesus. Okay? And not 50-50, not 60-40? What was it? What was the split? 100-100. How's that? Bro, you're plumbing the depths of the <laughs> Trinity right now. You, how, how does that work? I got no idea. So I've heard, tell me if this is, a, a, I feel like all illustrations and explanations of like Trinity or how you can God and man at the same time are always going to... Well, all illustrations break down somewhere anyways. But you already mentioned Superman. And I've heard people say Superman was always Superman. He was always Clark Kent. Is that like a, f- a stab at ne- it? Or he was never Clark Kent? What? No, he was always Clark Kent and he was always Superman. He was never... Like, there was never a time when Superman was also not Clark Kent. No, I disagree with that. Because Superman uh, didn't feel pain, right? Yeah, I, I don't. I think Clark Kent is fake. Clark Kent's a figment. Clark Kent's a nerd. Clark Kent was weak. Clark Kent failed. Clark. I, I think Clark Kent. And then all he had, like anybody, tries to rob the place, and you know, Clark Kent couldn't die, so I don't think Clark Kent was real. He's always Superman. And there was a distinct so he's time ne- when the sun took on flesh. I was just asking if it was a good illustration or not. 50, well, I guess he's Clark Kent in the sense of identity because yeah. he was adopted, right? Well, he was born, so he was he was born Superman, and he was adopted Clark Kent. But still, he was like he was he always had the nature. He didn't have the nature of Clark Kent. That's because that's by adoption. He didn't have the nature of Clark Kent. Those were not his real parents, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. he really wasn't Clark Kent. He was, he was Superman who also went by Clark Kent and acted like Clark Kent. That is not what Jesus did at all. So this is what they say here. So that the two whole, so whole, 100%, 100%, perfect and distinct natures the Godhead and the manhood were inseparably joined together in one person without conversion. So his divinity didn't take over his humanity. His humanity didn't take over his divinity. Composition. There's not like 60-40, 100-100. Or confusion. They're, 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 they're distinct. Do we have a, a text that we wanted to share for that one? Yeah, 1 Timothy 3.16 one. Um, Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. 
He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Boom. What a mystery. I have one, too. First, Christ also suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Mm. Okay. Which person is very God and very man, yet only one Christ. So in order to be the Christ, he had to be God and man. Very God, very man. The only mediator, so Christ means Messiah, if you didn't know. The only mediator between God and man. Hmm. We got a text for that one? Yeah, Romans 1, 3, and 4. Concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Mm. Okay, why is it important to spend so much time talking about Jesus being the mediator who's 100% God and 100% man? Why does it matter if he's just man? And why does, he, why does it matter if maybe he's just God? Are you asking us? Or just... I'm asking the listeners. I'm waiting for their response. <laughs> Anybody there? <laughs> asking you, like, you're posing the question? Uh, yeah, I'm asking you guys. Pastoral Be- residents. Because to, like, he was on both sides. He, he, had, he is fully man, so he was able to mediate and sympathize as our great high priest, but also fully God and able to satisfy the requirements of the law. Is that... Okay. Okay. What else? What happens if a person only thinks of Jesus as a really admirable, good human being and then what happens if a person only thinks of Jesus as God? What are the implications of that? Well, if he's only a great human being, <clears throat> then in theory, I can also obey the law. If he's just a regular, normal guy who did everything perfectly and taught good things, there's, I mean, I can be a perfect, regular human being, and there's really no hope for anything okay so I I bring this up because in liberalism and when I say liberalism I mean basically the mainline denominations in in America they're called liberal denominations and they this is basically what they've done Mm. they've cut away the divinity of Christ and they say we don't really believe in miracles. We don't really believe that, you know, people are sinners and that he needed to die for them and substitutionary atonement. We don't believe any of that spiritual stuff. But what he taught was really good stuff. And look at how he served the poor. Look at how he loved. That's what we should do. That's the Christ that we preach here. We preach the Christ who suffers with the poor and goes with the marginalized and speaks truth to power. What are they missing there? I mean, 
uh, I mean, I would say substance. Um, Which substance? The divine substance. Like, so what if he did all that? It doesn't do anything for anybody. He doesn't set, like... Well, that would help people. I mean, if I follow his example and go help yeah, serve it, in the neighborhood, it helps somebody. Well, then you're, like, putting a coat on somebody that's still going to go to hell. Okay, there we go. Yeah. But at least we'll be warm. Yeah. You won't need a coat, Kev. Jeez. <laughs> savage. <laughs> savage. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, so you've got a God who sympathizes with, or well, they're not even a God. There, it's just he's just a really good guy. And so that is not the real Jesus, right? right? And that here's what it does for me: it doesn't inspire me to worship at all. Mm. A really good guy that serves and lives and died and died on a cross for no reason that doesn't inspire me at all. And this is why liberal churches are declining by in numbers by the day and they're not growing because guess what? I can go look anywhere for a person to inspire me to go serve the poor. I don't need some, I don't really need that. I can find that anyway. And so these people go to these churches and they find no real spiritual life there. It's not life changing. It's just some people to get together and kind of, you know, feel good about themselves and kind of inspire each other with nice little stories, but there's no real power. There's no real, the Spirit isn't there quickening people and giving new life and bringing um, sinners out of hell and putting them into heaven, right? <clears throat> but if that's the more you know, liberal bent, in some conservative churches, the emphasis is so much on the divine nature of, God, of Jesus, of you know, his power and his authority and his righteousness that we they 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 miss out on his humanity mm. what what do you lose if you miss out on the humanity of Jesus if you only teach the divinity of Jesus i think i mean we talked about it this week i guess him as a servant you know he came to serve the, his people washing feet in the midst of in the middle be, be, between being born and being crucified he was Washing people's feet, serving, and healing, and praying, and um, loving his people. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that was powerful. Steve did a great job on that sermon. It was a powerful sermon. Um, you know, the, the line in there of <clears throat> when Jesus realized that all things had been given to him by the Father, and he was going back to the Father. So Jesus, like in that moment, or whatever, realizes is awakened to, I mean, he already knew this, but he has a greater sense that of his divine, his divine nature. Yeah. Like I'm going back to the father. I'm about to be crucified and I'm going back to the father. Yeah. So I heard it said like this one time, what do you do when you realize you're the most important man in the room? Not wash feet. Yeah. But that's exactly what Jesus did. Yeah. When I realize I'm the most important person in the universe, he rose from the table and took off his outer garment and put a towel about his waist and washed their feet. Yeah. What? The God who stoops, not only stoops in the incarnation, but stoops even lower to wash dirty, poop-smeared feet. Right? It's, it's insane. So what else do we lose? What else do we lose? We lose that piece of his 
um, humility, like we could say, right? I think, too, just um, him being tempted, right? I mean, he was tempted as we are tempted, but, I mean, he didn't fall into the temptation. He spoke scripture to when he was being tempted and reminded himself of the good news and saying it is written um, for him not to um, be tempted, you know? Yep, yep. Well, we have an excuse, I think. If if Jesus is just God and not man, it's like, well, yeah, you know, he is only God. He only has a divine nature. I don't... I'm, yeah, it's what we've already been talking about. If he's Superman... I don't have a prayer. Yeah, and it's like, that doesn't really inspire me. Oh, wow, you didn't sin. You were Superman, you know, like... <laughs> but that's not how he... That's not what did. Yeah. Because he wept. Yeah. He was crucified. You can't kill God, but you can kill a man. Yeah. So <clears throat> he did take on our nature, and so he can fully sympathize with us. Mm. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows what it's like to be hungry. Yeah. He knows what it's like to be tired. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to have the pull of family and the pull of ministry. Yeah. You know? Mm. He knows what it's like to... Uh, be afraid of the plan of God that's in front of him. You know, yeah. my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He said, if this cup be, if it be possible, take this cup from me. So he truly can, he is the high priest who can truly sympathize with us because he is, he's man. Yeah. And so I think sometimes, and it also, we, we miss out on the fact that most scholars believe he spent 30 years living a normal life and three years doing ministry. So the fact that he was man and even scripture says that he, as a child, he grew in stature and wisdom. He grew in stature and wisdom. So he had to learn like we learn. So it wasn't just like he tapped into his God nature. I think it shows too there that, I mean, he wasn't in, I guess you would say ministry his whole life in a sense where he wasn't preaching the gospel because a lot of people think like, hey, the best way to make disciples, I got to be a part. I got to, you know, work for the church. Like he was just he was a carpenter that, mm-hmm. you know, lived everyday life, loving people well. And then, you know, went into the ministry, discipling, making the disciples. With yeah. His and so. 30 years of his life was just being a good human and enjoying the creation and making stuff and work and being normal. <clears throat> and then after his resurrection, He's real flesh and blood in heaven right now at the right hand of God. And that means our flesh, our, our bodies, like our flesh, not our sinful nature, but our flesh bodies are not bad. Yeah. There's flesh, there's human, nat- there's human bodies up, body up in heaven right now. And so to, to have this kind of like the Gnostics kind of separated like the, the body from the soul or whatever, and there's like the soul is good and the body's bad. And there's even cr- some Christians that, that think that, that think, you know, sex is bad and it's dirty and it's all this stuff. When it's, that's not reality at all. Jesus is in a glorified body right now in, in heaven, you know? Our bodies, are, our bodies are good. Are they fallen? Yes. Do they need to be redeemed and, and restored? Yes, absolutely. And do we get a new body in creation? Yes. New like an upgrade, not new like you know, totally, totally, you know, like we won't recognize one another. So there's, I think the gospel is for here and now and it's for, and, and our bodies are for, for here and later. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And I think Jesus 
having two distinct natures in one essence uh, shows us that, and one in one body shows us that. So, how, where are we at, Kevin? Are we going to have to cut this off, or should we go to the next one? No, I think we can make the next one. All right, cool. Number three, Article three: The Lord Jesus, in His human nature, thus united to the divine, was sanctified and anointed with the Holy Spirit above measure, having in him all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, and whom it pleased the Father that all fullness should dwell, to the end that being holy, harmless, undefiled, and full of grace and truth, he might be thoroughly furnished to execute the office of a mediator and surety, which office he took not unto himself, but was thereunto called by his Father, who put all power and judgment into his hand and gave him commandment to execute the same. <clears throat> okay. Let's read it again. The Lord Jesus, in his human nature, thus united to the divine, so... We're building off of um, what we talked about in the last one. <clears throat> fully God, fully man, was sanctified. Sanctified means set apart in this sense, in this situation. I mean, in this um, situation, it means set apart and anointed with the Holy Spirit above measure. We got a scripture for that? You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companion. Okay. So there's a lot of kind of debate on this part. Um, when Jesus was doing miracles, was he doing miracles as in his divine nature? Or was he doing miracles through the power of the Holy Spirit. Or both, <laughs> right? Or both. And I think <clears throat> usually a lot of, like, again, charismatics lean more towards he was just anointed by the Holy Spirit. They say th this, this. <clears throat> Jesus was fully man and fully God, but he set aside, this is what they would say. We don't say this completely. They say that he set aside his divine nature. And so when Jesus was doing miracles, he was just doing miracles through the power of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, we have the Holy Spirit, and so we can walk around and do miracles. That's the kind of the hyper-charismatic movement. Um, and that, that's what they believe. <clears throat> um, I don't know. I, I don't know where I stand on that 100%. Well, number one, I don't think we can walk around doing, doing miracles. Um, because Jesus was one with God, he knew exactly who needed to be healed. He knew exactly who God wanted to heal, who God had chosen to heal. And so Jesus never had a whiff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, all right, at least that we know of, that this recorded in Scripture. All right, your sins are forgiven, but just to prove it, I'm going to, you know, yeah. I'm going to make you, you're blind, but I'm going to make you see again. And then they go, nope, didn't work. Oh, all right, I guess the Father didn't want it. Jesus never had to do that. But, so-called prophets and so-called 
charismatic people today that think that, that think they have the gift of healing. They make all kind of declarations that are that don't happen. And so, for the most part, I think it's all uh, I think it's all phony and baloney. And we should pray and ask God for healing and leave it up to Him. Hmm. Period. So you're not saying that like people when they pray for people and people get healed like that's phony or are you saying that or no people get healed okay people get healed but there's people that claim to have the gifts of healing Mm -hmm. and i always tell those folks great why don't you start volunteering at your local hospital because if you have that gift you'd empty out that hospital ward you know what i mean go to start at the cancer start at the cancer ward because that's where i'd really like you to start um the guys that end up on TV and the guys that end up with, you know, Bethel Church and a bunch of these kooks. Um, that healing blanket. Yeah, all kind of. Just send for nine ninety nine. I will send you an anointed <laughs> hanky and you can rub it on your owie and Jesus will heal you. <laughs> a healing band-aid. Yeah. Now, it's funny, but it's not funny because millions of people actually send their money to these yeah. fools yeah. and they get rich and buy airplanes and stuff. Mm-hmm. So... um. Jesus was God, but he was man. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit, set apart by God. And so, in my mind, if he's one essence with the Holy Spirit anyway, so it doesn't bother me how he does here, how he does the healings. If it's through the Holy Spirit, if it's through his own power as the Son of God. Uh, that's how I'm thinking right now. <clears throat> okay. Anointed with the Holy Spirit above measure, so more than anybody else. Having in him all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You got a text for that one? Yeah, Colossians 2, 3. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus Christ, in him, are hidden. He's the key to the universe, folks. He's the key to everything. I don't think you can understand physics without understanding Jesus. He's holding it all together. In whom it pleased the Father that all fullness should dwell. So the, go ahead, let's read that scripture as well. That all fullness should dwell. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Boom. In Jesus, the fullness of God. So we, we see he's fully God, but he's also born of Mary. He's fully man. So can that, can that be confusing to people? Um, so why even say Jesus if um, it says God as well? Because they're different persons. But then, like, I guess I would say the text said God instead of Jesus. The you full, said Jesus. No, the fully, fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him. Okay. In him. Him is Jesus. Okay. Yeah. The fullness of God. So he's fully God. <clears throat> yeah. Um, let me see where I'm at here. Okay. To the end that being holy, harmless, undefiled, and full of grace and truth. We got a text for that one? Yeah, yeah Hebrews 7:26. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Amen. He might be thoroughly furnished to execute the office of mediator and surety. Okay fully furnished. He has everything necessary to be the perfect mediator. He is all the godness he needs. He is all the manness he needs. Mm 
to, to actually be the perfect mediator and surety. We got a text for that? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Yep. Which office he took not unto himself, so he didn't choose it himself, but was there to called by his father, so the father gave it to him. We, we, can, we have a text for that. And no one takes his honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Boom. <clears throat> and we remember that begotten, not made. Mm. So when he is begotten, it means that he did come into, uh, he was conceived, but that is not when he became in, that, he, that is not when he came into existence. That he was not created. He existed eternally, spiritually with God before that, but then was begotten by the Holy Spirit uh, in the womb of Mary. The Father, so who put all power and judgment into his hands and gave him commandment to execute the same. Last text. It's John 5, 22. Um, for the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. Okay, 27 too. Mm -hmm. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Okay, so we see it's not a simple doctrine to say that Jesus is our mediator or our high priest. <clears throat> it took some uh, complicated work, divine God-man. That, that's what Jesus is. He's the God-man, 100% God, 100% man. He is fully man, but here's the deal. Without a sinful nature, he wasn't born with a sinful nature because God was his father, not Joseph. So he didn't get a sinful nature. Um, do you, could Jesus have sinned? I'm going to say no. I'm going to second that no, but I remember what you said earlier. I'm going to say if Jesus could have sinned, he probably would have sinned. Alex, I'm going to wait for your answer before I answer. I would say no. He was tempted, and I would just kind of follow along with uh, Kevin. If he wanted to sin, he would have. Why would the devil tempt someone who, who is incapable of sinning? Because of the flesh. Yeah. I would say because he's of the flesh, right? The devil? Nah. Okay. <clears throat> so, is it, was it theoretically possible for Jesus to sin? In his human nature, yes. And his divine nature, no. God cannot be tempted with sin. God cannot, God tempts no one. God could not sin. But in his human nature, yes, he could have. He was like Adam. In his human nature, he was like Adam before the fall. He didn't have an evil nature. He didn't have a sinful nature, but he could still be enticed. That's why he had, that's why he was tempted. He was tempted so that he could succeed where Adam failed. 
again, if he can't sin, then he's Superman. And he cannot sympathize with us in our weakness. How could Superman sympathize with me? He doesn't know what it's like to live this life. He can freaking fly around the earth and spend time backwards. Then some people may say, like, what would it look like with marriage? Huh? Since Jesus wasn't married. What about that? What do you mean by that? Like, how would he be able to sympathize with the people that are married? Oh, because he's married to the church. I was about to say something bad. Add the flesh. <laughs> I was about to say, no, because he married the whore. Hmm. Like the whore of Babylon, the whore that you see all through the Old Testament scripture, God's people that throw themselves after other gods and whore after other gods hmm. under every tree and all this kind of stuff. <clears throat> Jesus married that kind of bride and he's loving us into purity. He's loving us into holiness. And so he knows what it's like to have the worst wife. Hmm. So yeah. hang that church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's going to deliver us, you know, without spot or wrinkle. So it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a beautiful wedding of an unfaithful church who gets uh, glorified by our loving mediator, mm. our head. All right, <clears throat> any other thoughts on these two guys? I'm just thinking we all, all three of us, uh, pastoral residents, had a, a hasty Your no. pastoral residents. Yeah, well, i say it like it is. Oh, boy. We all had a yeah, hasty no. coming I at him. <laughs> I failed. Yeah. All had a hasty no on Jesus' ability to sin. Yeah. What is the danger of that haste? Again, so not surprisingly, you guys failed in the conservative fashion. Mm. What I had just laid out earlier before. Mm. That you don't really believe or you don't have a working theology of the humanity of Jesus. Mm. That you still think, and it's hard to get around, you think that he's Superman. And he's never really Clark Kent. Clark mm. Kent's a persona he plays sometimes. True. And that's not, that's not the reality. You know, again, if Jesus was Superman, you couldn't kill him. They couldn't nail the freaking nails into his hands. They couldn't do it. Those nails would have bent. He would have been laying there and go, let's go, bro. <laughs> Bing, and that nail bends on his hand. He's like, what now? Yeah. That's what would have happened, right? And so that's what's so fascinating about God becoming man. The incarnation is one of the greatest events in human history, you know? <clears throat> so what does it look like to, I mean, to be able to see that? Just, I mean, reading more scripture, uh, reading a lot of uh, theology books, what, is, what does it look like to be able to see that in that way? Because a lot of people would have probably said the same answer that we would have said. Yeah, well, I think... Um, coming to a greater understanding of the scripture, being able to hold things together, <clears throat> different, different. So it's hard to hold the, you know, the Colossians version of Jesus together with the human picture of Jesus. That's really hard to do. This highly exalted God man stands at the control room of the universe, holding all things together. And yet he became man and he has a flesh and blood body. It's hard to hold those two things together. 
So part of it's studying scripture. Part of it is going deeper in your in your theology, understanding Christology to a level that's more than just like. So here's the deal. Most people only want to. Most pastors only want to study to preach Sunday. Hmm. And if it ain't in the text on Sunday, then I ain't really gonna worry about it. I'm not gonna go any deeper than that. But <clears throat> I think pastors need to be going way deeper than the average person. And they need to be studying stuff that most people won't read. And understanding, like, these people were, like, real ready, ready to, to fight to the death in the Aryan controversy over the, the human, human side of Jesus and the, and the divine side of Jesus, you know, these two natures. And they, they were, every word mattered. Every word mattered. When the Westminster Divines were writing this, I guarantee you they were arguing, they were... No, I don't, that word is, we need a better word than that. We, we've got to get it very precise because they're talking about God. And when we want, we want people to, to think rightly about Jesus. And so we've got to be as accurate as we can. And I am not always the most accurate. I, I'm not, there's theologians that can run circles around me and um, can be a lot more clear and a lot more precise than I am. And so that's why I'm reading them. I'm almost always reading some big book of theology for my devotion. That's what I do. Take a, a systematic theology, take a, like, reformed dogmatics, um, something along these lines, and I'll read 10 minutes a day after my Bible time in that more detailed stuff to uh, constantly refresh my memory, constantly go deeper, and um, come to see the glories of Christ in greater ways <clears throat> so that's at least a couple from my point of view hmm. <clears throat> anything else I kind of want to go back to the, the question I asked um, about was like his, his mind frame was it fully God and fully like human because I mean like Judas right I mean he was living life with this guy did he did he know the whole time he was going to betray him, or was it just as um, he just was going with the flow and loving him like he would love anyone else? Well, um, he did he know Judas was going to betray him? Yes, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> there's a sense where. And we're not really sure in um, Philippians, I'm going to pull out my Bible here, Philippians 2.7, where it talks about Jesus um, emptying himself. So it says, um, have this, I'll start in verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, <clears throat> being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him above every name. So there's a lot of debate about what did that mean that Jesus emptied himself. It did not mean that he 
set aside his divine nature, that he stopped being God. He was, he was always God. <clears throat> but he would have to set that aside to sin, right? To choose sin. If he, if he, yes, it, to, to, or, or ignore it or something, ignore it. Yeah. He would have to, if he was actually going to sin, um, he would have to, but was God, how, I think this is going to be a, I, I think for what I would answer, how I answer your first question is this seriously is a mystery. Mm. Um, a mystery in the sense of how did these two natures work together? Could he, did he always know everything about everything? We would have to say no, because when he was younger, he grew in stature and wisdom. Right. So he would have been all know as God, he would have been all knowing as an infant. Right? But as a man, he was not. So he had to grow in stature. And so there was some, I don't know how it worked together. And, specifically in his early years, you know? Like, I don't know how if he's sitting there going, Mom, that's not how you parent me, you know? <laughs> every Can you imagine parenting God? Every like, time, every time you're like, because <coughs> so, so many times that you're guessing, right? You think your kid did something or whatever, and you don't have the absolute proof, but you're like, no, I know you did that. And every time he's like, yeah, I didn't, and you're wrong. You know, like, he, we don't have... There's no scenes in the Bible of him doing miracles when he's two years old and, you know, changing his own diaper or something or cooking his own dinner miraculously or, you know, floating in the room and doing some kind of, you know, divine tricks in the play playground. Look, I can float my brothers. You know, like, we don't have anything like that. So, so do some people read that as, like, he was Superman, but then now he releases not Superman anymore. I guess it's kind of going back to the yeah. Superman thing. So right? that would be the one of the heresies would be he emptied himself of his divinity in the sense of like when he came, he was just man. Hmm. Yeah. And some people think that he set aside some of his godlike qualities. So like he wasn't all-knowing all the time in his humanity. You know what I mean? Um, and so it's very detailed. And, um, you know, I don't. It's, it was a work of humility. I don't know how. See, it's, it's a mystery to me. It's a mystery. And I'm okay. A lot of people aren't okay with mysteries. A lot of people bothers them. They have mysteries. I don't understand how right now I'm sitting on a rock filled with lava that's spinning 57,000 miles an hour. How is that freaking possible? Isn't that right? Isn't that what's going on right now? Like we're spinning in space 57,000 miles an hour the earth is a big old giant rock filled with lava. That sounds like make-believe to me. But, the, but they say it's true. I don't understand that. Much less do I understand how these two natures work together. I don't know. I'll tell you, I don't know. So would you say that's why a lot of people don't believe Scripture? Because there's kind of so many gray areas, I guess you would say? Nah. 
people don't believe scripture because they'd rather sin. <laughs> yeah. You know, they'd rather sleep around and do what they own do, be their, be their own God. Because um, I don't need to believe that. Like, all I need to believe is Jesus got up from the grave. <laughs> yeah. That's all I need to believe. Do I understand how he did that necessarily? Well, he had the power of an indestructible life. Was that because of you sinless in his humanity? Or was that just because he was God? I'm not 100% sure. Maybe both. But, you know what I mean? The guy who gets up from the grave, seen by over 500 witnesses, and then floats off into heaven with his people watching after being crucified, and those people who were scaredy cats at the crucifixion decide to, to die themselves for the sake of the faith, that's pretty much all the proof I need. But then after that, is my own experiential re- realities of knowing God, being forgiven of my sins, reading yep. scripture, testifying to itself, seeing the beauty of it, understanding the narrative. <clears throat> so, but there's all, if, if he's really God, who would want to serve a God that could understand? Like, if you could understand God, mm-hmm. then you would be God. It's like, can your kids understand you? How many times you're like, you're trying to explain something to your kids and you're just like, I, when you're my age, you'll understand. <laughs> explain something to yourself. <laughs> like that, that was nothing but the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. But so imagine that the distance there between God and us, mm. you know, it's, it's infinite. <clears throat> so, so we can know things about God. That doesn't push us to despair. We can know things about God, but we can never come to the end and know God fully. Even in heaven, we're going to be constantly discovering him and learning new things about him. So, anything else? All right, well, this one started off slow and ended up cooking our noodles. So, (laughs) you got any questions, email us, justindean at sacredcitychurch.com. We love you. Hopefully, this is helpful to you. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love you to rate us um, on iTunes. It really does help people find us. So, please do that. God bless you. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.